may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebidi-boo, doot-doodle-doo, deebidi-pow. Hello and welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa and this is... Allie. And the two of us are really hoping to get to a screening of Night in the City at the Beautiful Heights Theater in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. We are currently sitting on the road where the stop arms are out for the train. The train, which has stopped on the tracks and is not moving. We just watched somebody jump a median. Yeah. We are sitting staring at a Canadian Pacific train. The side of it, and it is not moving. It is immobile. It we, is an immobile train. Yeah. Yeah, we're trapped. I don't understand what's happening. So uh, this train uh, may eventually keep us away from watching a, a glorious movie starring Richard Widmark. What do you know about Night in the City, Allie? I know nothing about this movie. Awesome. So, <laughs> I mean, I've so, heard of it, but like that's it. I'm like, I've heard this title. So predicated on the assumption that we will eventually be able to get to the theater, Night in the City is a 1950 noir uh, directed by Jules Dessin, who uh, was an American director who eventually went to France and started directing movies. Uh, this is one of the ones that he made while still in the United States. And, well, he went over to London, or rather he was sent to London to make this movie uh, because he was a lefty and uh, the producer at the studio wanted to get him out of the States before he got caught up with the House of Un-American Activities. So, so yeah, uh, very interesting story behind this one. But it is a hallmark of film noir, and Dessen was... Uh, a guy who directed a lot of the really great movies of the genre. So hopefully we'll be able to see it. Yes. Ellie. <laughs> yes. I'm really, I'm hoping. Yeah. This train is still it's, here. It's, it's not moving. It has not moved. All right, dear listeners, we'll be back and we'll let you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That movie was like, go hard or go home. Like, yeah, really. It was super intense. <laughs> it started out kind of lighthearted. I mean, well, I mean, it's okay. It starts off with a bang. Yeah. Like, it's it's night in the city. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow night. It could be any night. The like, music just like punches you in the face and like, this is the kind of movie this is going to be. You're yeah. Just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, this is noiring so hard yes. the first five yes. minutes. It, it is full on narration, trumpets, guys running. They, yep. Boom. Yep. Boom. You, you are not confused about what type of movie you have come to see <laughs> at that point. Because it's like, oh, this is a nice, slow, mellow start. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> we are here. We have arrived. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which I appreciated. I, I was like, okay, where is this going to go? <laughs> oh, we're going to go straight to running through alleyways. Got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guns, danger, shadows. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All of those things. Mm-hmm. And the eternally patient girlfriend. Yeah. Who I was really afraid was like going to be dead in the very first scene. I'm like, because the, the mm-hmm. he comes into his girlfriend's apartment and there's tension. The the music is very tense. Yeah, it builds it, and I'm like, oh damn, did somebody beat him to her? Is, is she like dead in the apartment? Are we starting that? Is that how this one is going to go? <laughs> but fortunately, no. no, no, the girlfriend was okay. 
Yeah, she was fine. Although I have no idea what, why she was attracted to him, which is yeah, so many problems in well, it, it's in, kind in of endemic in a lot of of those films, films of, of that era. Yes, yeah. yes. Very sweet girl is attached to this dude who fucks up at literally every turn. Yeah, like and has clearly had a very strong pattern of that. Yeah. for years. It's like, how did you fall into this trap? Like. Well, I mean, hmm. we've all had that relationship. This is true. This is true. Yeah, we've all had that relationship where we finally look and go, what the hell? I don't know why I still like you, but why are you rifling through my stuff looking yeah. for money? Yes. <laughs> you know? The, the thing that got me was it, it just specifically with this one, was it sounded like they had been sweethearts since they were kids. Yeah. So that was really, I was like, why have you not given up by now? Yeah. Like, lady, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when artist guy is right there. Yeah. And yeah, way huh? hotter. Yeah. Like, ooh, yeah. Financially well off, sensitive, was not nice guying her. No. With, which I was like, oh no, here it comes. But no, nope, he's just like, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Like, honestly and sincerely, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. I saw your boyfriend upstairs. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, not bad mouthing him, nothing. Yep. And I'll even loan you the money. I yeah. know it's for him, but. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, I think he's a douchebag, but I'm not going to tell you he's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to find out yourself he's a douchebag, and mm-hmm. then. And I will be here when you are ready, like, with money and a shoulder to cry, and, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not expecting anything. I'm like, this dude is solid. Solid dude. <laughs> solid, sensitive, artistic dude. Lady, you are with the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so dear listeners um first of all please go watch the movie because um if, if you haven't awesome. already because it's amazing uh it's beautiful it is even darker than a lot of the yeah. noirs that we have seen um that's one of the things i really like about jules de Sin. i mean even though it was made in the era of the Hayes code mm-hmm. it didn't fall into a lot of the Hayes code traps it seems yeah it it didn't have the predictability that i expected when you yeah when you're like oh it's 1950 i'm like oh crap another predictable Hayes Hayes code crap thing but you know <laughs> like they're all fantastic movies but you know kind of where they're going right because right. Hayes code means that there is a, a very set destination right for these films and it did not go to where i thought it would mm-hmm. and certainly not in the way i thought it would yeah. so that's that I appreciated. This film was very intense mm-hmm. in a really good way. It yeah. surprised me. And I love that, unlike some of the movies of this era, the climax is an emotional moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just it wasn't just an action. Yeah. Thing. It it's actually surprisingly very little action. I mean, there's running, but there's not a yeah. whole lot of. I mean, oh, there's so much I running. Mean, yes. Oh, so 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 much <laughs> running. But like. It really, it just, it punched you right in the feelings. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. huh, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Like, it was very good. So I feel like we need to do like a little bit of a recap in case somebody out there didn't watch the movie. I see I see you I out see, there. Yeah, what are you no, doing? Okay, Go, no, totally. Shut off the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking to you anymore until you shut off the podcast and go watch the movie and then come back and we can talk until then you are we are not we're done we're through professionally just watch the movie but just in case just, just in case, in we'll, case. Get, we'll in case you need a little bit of a teaser we'll give you a little bit of what it's about so Ellie did you want to no no you're much better at this than I am oh I don't know about that I'm in full-on ramble mode tonight I feel like this needs to fall to you and oh. I'll just interject cutely <laughs> Oh dear listeners, we're into the strawberry rhubarb wine. Oh my right god, now. it tastes like soda. It's candy. Mm. Mm, so delicious. Mm. All right, so 
We've got this dude, right? He's in London, and uh, he's living in London. He is kind of a con artist. He's American. He's clearly. an American in London. There's so many Americans There's in London. There's quite a few Americans in oh, this. How yes. Where there's so many Americans in London. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so Richard Widmark is playing Harry Fabian, who is kind of this slick con artist guy. Very but charming. Very charming, but he... He's full of energy. He's always got an angle on a swindle, mm-hmm. but he's not great at it. No. He's got brilliant ideas and they always go south. Yeah. And so we meet him and he's uh, in his girlfriend's apartment, girlfriend being Jean Tierney, who we saw yes. before in... Uh, Leave her to heaven. Leave her to heaven. And so she's playing the sweet girlfriend Completely here. opposite of yeah. where she was at there. <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. So he is rifling through her apartment looking for money uh, because he wants to go in on a Greyhound track and she comes, shows up and catches him going through her purse and she goes, no, I'll loan you the money, but you got to stop doing this sort of thing. It's not a good idea, et cetera, et cetera. She goes and visits her neighbor, gets like the remaining three pounds. She goes back down and loans him money and et cetera, et cetera. So... Our protagonist, uh, Mr. Richard Whitmark, he basically goes around the city of London at night and goes to all of his connections and you just see him playing them off of one another, trying to get money, uh, trying to send people to his friend's club uh, and uh, he gets an angle on a wrestler and he wants to corner wrestling in london because he found this greco-roman wrestler who thinks all these modern wrestlers are crap and he goes no this guy's great i could corner all the wrestling in london unfortunately you know the wrestling in london is run by the the guy who plays the inspector in the pink panther movies oh my god (laughs) hang on i'm sorry (laughs) oh shit Ellie. Sorry, I had my epiphany from yes. the night. Woo. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Herbert Lom. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was like, I knew the name. And then I'm like looking at yep. the face. I'm like, where do I know you from? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Carry on. Yep. 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 So, uh, <laughs> Christo run. Uh, and uh, as it happens, the wrestler is also his father. So, you know, there's intrigue there. And, and, um, our our slick protagonist is trying to play them off of each other and it's etc 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 and i i feel like i shouldn't go even further because it it's really hard to explain this plot without going into the nitty gritty and if i did that we would be here all night we'd be here all night because it it moves really fast and yeah he's but there's so much people. happening mhm mm-hmm. yeah I mean, basically, he he sets up this sweet deal where he's like, okay, I have got one of the greatest Greco-Roman wrestlers ever, mm-hmm. and uh, now I'm going to use him and his protege yeah. to set up this new, I'm going to have all the wrestling in London because nobody's going to go see the other stuff, which is not necessarily true, but he thinks that's true, and yeah. that's why it's his get-rich-quick scheme that maybe won't work. But uh, I, I love that he takes 200 pounds and turns it immediately into a gym in an office. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, who knows what part of town he's in? Maybe it's yeah. a shithole. But uh, yeah, so I mean, he he takes that. He's got he's got this good deal, and and he, the guy who owns the club that his girlfriend works for and that he hustles for, mm-hmm. fronts him the money mm-hmm. and convinces it, him that he's oh yeah we're gonna do this but the way he got the money was because the dude's wife wants to leave him mm-hmm. the guy owns club she 
she basically runs the show and she wants her own club and doesn't want to be married to that dude anymore. So here, have this money that I got because I stole the fur my husband just bought me today. He won't notice that. <laughs> like, lady, come on. Lady, please. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting that was, relationship. That is a really good side plot that, yeah. like, I can't even, like, delve into too deeply or I'll just lose my mind talking about it. But, oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll get on. into it, but we'll not, not, not in the recap. Right, right. But, um... Yeah, so, I, I mean, he's got this weird thing going on there with the club owner's wife giving him the money so that she can get what she wants. And the club owner is quietly double-crossing him because he's already figured out that his wife is leaving him for mm-hmm. this dude. Or it, to be in business with this dude. He doesn't care which it is. Mm-hmm. His wife is leaving. He's losing his wife. And this dude is the problem. Mm-hmm. So he's setting him up to die. And by the time he that Harry realizes that he's being set up to die by his friend... It's too late. Yeah. He's already fucked things up beyond any hope. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's it's fascinating watching this movie and watching Harry fashion his own noose. Yes. Because everything he touches. He's been twisting and turning things and not yeah. realizing that the shape of it is a freaking noose. Right. <laughs> right. And and when he starts going around for help, all the people he thought were friends, it turns out he burned off all that capital a long mm-hmm. time ago. And I mean, we can see it early on in the movie. You know, they're yeah. just kind of tolerating him, but and you know, of course, because every once he, in a while he brings a good bite, so he's worth keeping around, but yeah. he's not a friend. Right. It, and it's just fascinating watching it fall apart around him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so well done. Yeah. It's such a great cascade, like the house of cards just, just, just crumbling. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a credit to Richard Widmark, who is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one who was often attracted to roles like this, and, you know, kind of hard-boiled, not easily likable people. Yeah. And yet he can still make you interested enough to keep watching. Yes. Because so often I watch characters like that and it's like, I, I All don't I want like to do you. is strangle you. I, I don't get, care. You are you are Mr. Problem Child. Mm-hmm. Get away from me. <laughs> and, but Richard Widmark plays this guy so entertainingly with so much energy that it's like, you just kind of got to watch yeah. him fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. Because as you were saying, our protagonist, I wanted to be like... Using that term so loosely here. Well, no, it but, is. But yes. It is the proper term because he's setting. Oh, I know. He is I setting know. everything in motion. He is. He is. I and know. Why I, is he ever? He is the protagonist. I get it. But like in our in our usual colloquial usage of the term, I'm like, but we're not rooting for him, and we try oh, no. to root for protagonists. But no, he he's the protagonist. But you just he stands on that razor's edge of likability. Yeah. Where because they establish very quickly that he is no good. Mm-hmm. He's just he's too smart for his own good in some ways. Right. And uh, just watching him self-destruct so incredibly was actually really satisfying. And yet you still felt kind of bad. Well, yeah. Like, again, going back to Hayes Code, it's like, I know he can't get away with it, but I'm like, if this were made in any other era, it'd be, okay, how is he going to get away? Like, mm-hmm. how will he escape all of this? Right. You know? But, but he's so good. He dear is listeners, so good. Dear listeners, he doesn't get away no nope and oh that ending is just oh beautiful yes yes oh because brutal yeah yeah and and it's so brilliant in he sees the last twist he can make Mm -hmm. and it could actually benefit somebody else and 
It's yeah. like, it's like uh, thunderstruck by its brilliance, and he knows that he has to throw himself under the bus to do it, and he just does it. Mm-hmm. And he knows that's absolutely the thing he wants to he, do. He literally runs headlong into his own death. Yeah. In the end, which is just done so wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, it, like you feel for the guy, like he finally did the right thing for a change. Mm-hmm. I like this movie. It was a very good movie. <laughs> so, a little bit of history about it. Um... As I said a little bit about uh, in the car earlier tonight. <laughs> in the car, waiting for the train. Waiting for the train. Oh By the way, God. that train did move. and We made uh, it with like three minutes to spare. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> we got there. So uh, this movie was directed by Jules Desin, who was an American film director who left America for France eventually. But uh, at this time, this was 1950, he was working for 20th Century Fox. And uh, Daryl Zanuck of Fox sent Dessen to London because the House of Un-American Activities was digging around and uh, Dessen used to be a member of the Communist Party. And we'll get into that later. Uh, He wasn't anymore. But uh, Dessen got sent to London to get him out of the fray. Mm -hmm. And Zanuck told Dessen to film the most expensive scenes first. Because that meant he was harder to remove from the project. Ah. Yes. <laughs> lovely. Yes. Smart man. And uh, he also told, uh, Zanuck also told Dessen to use Jean Tierney because apparently she just had a, like a failed love affair and he had to get her out of Hollywood as well. <laughs> so like all these Americans got shoved over there to make this movie. The movie was as we saw, actually filmed at night uh, yes. for many of the scenes, and which is very hard to do at the time. Yeah. And Dessen actually went around the neighborhoods of London and asked business owners to leave on their lights so they could f- film at night oh, more easily. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you get all those wonderful street shots at night with with all the light falling into the street. And that's not backlot. That is all just people running around London filming this stuff. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was really well done. Oh, it's it's a beautiful movie. And uh, dear listeners, the print we saw was just... Oh, stellar. Gorgeous. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that was just a digital restoration, but it but was... But still mm, a very good digital restoration. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Shoot. Just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So... Jules Dessen is also known for he he has a streak of like five movies in the film noir era that are just fantastic because he did Thieves Highway and Rafifi and Top Copy, which isn't noir but it's fun, <laughs> uh, Brute Force, Naked City, which is mm-hmm. yeah Rafifi, Naked City, Brute Force. We're gonna watch them all eventually. Um, I love this director. Uh, Dessen was a a son of Russian Jewish immigrants. He grew up in Harlem. He was an actor in New York City. He was often in uh, Sholem Elham's plays while he was in New York. And in 1939, he signed up with the Communist Party. But he then dropped out when the Soviet Union signed a pact with Hitler because uh, he wasn't down with that. Yeah. No, not so much. <laughs> yeah. So after this movie came out, uh, his career tanked in 19, or 1952 because of the House of Un-American Activities. He was named in a couple of the testimonies. He refused to testify, and so he got blacklisted. 
which is why he left America. Mm-hmm. And he went to France. He made Rafifi and became an even bigger director over there. So he made a couple mm-hmm. f- films over in France um, and then eventually returned to the U.S. after the House of Un-American Activities dissolved. Yeah, he came back to do Top Copy. And eventually he left the U.S. again. He went to Greece and he got married to a famous Greek actress named Melina McCurry, who then became a member of the Greek parliament and uh, was also the culture minister of Greece. Huh. And in his waning years, Jules Dessen worked very hard to return the Elgin marbles to Greece. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting guy. Uh, also, in the 1940s, he was an assistant to Alfred Hitchcock. So, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting guy. So uh, we'll go to Richard Widmark. Richard Widmark, uh, actually a Minnesotan. Really? Yeah. Hey, no wonder he's awesome. <laughs> uh, he He's from, oh, where is it? I have it in my notes. Sunrise Township, Minnesota, which is over by Rush City. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's he's been in tons and tons of movies. He was known in the film noir era very well, and then he became big in westerns. Yes, so you've yeah, seen that's, him in that's, tons of westerns. That's where I know him from. Yeah, he's got that face. He was in the Alamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but during this era, he was in uh, Pickup on South Street and a bunch of other stuff. This like is one that. of his very early films, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. His first film was Kiss of Death. Which is where he also got his Oscar nomination. Huh. Mm-hmm. Just, just going for it right there, huh? Yeah, like, just like starting movies, Oscar, well, Oscar nomination. Yeah, he played a psychopath in that movie. Um, if you've ever seen it, he shoves a woman down the stairs in a wheelchair. Whew. And uh, he did not win that year because he was up against Edmund Gwynn in Miracle of 34th Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a hard thing to compete against. Yeah. But he was known for doing these hard-boiled characters and uh, unlikable people. But uh, he was apparently just this huge softy. There's a story that he once went fishing and then um, felt really bad about killing a fish. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh. Uh, he was a big movie nerd growing up. Let's see. He was very active through the 1970s in acting. He um, He was in television a lot in the 70s. Uh, what else can I tell you about him? Uh, he was partially deaf. Apparently, while working on one of John Ford's movies, he was, uh, I can't remember who else on the set was also hard of hearing, but John Ford was kind of an asshole. So he'd sit behind Richard Widmark and give him directions very, very quietly and then complain he wasn't doing anything. Yeah. John Ford was an asshole. Oh, John Ford. <laughs> Things I am literally unsurprised to hear. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Richard Woodmark was around till about 2007 and when he died from a spinal injury, oh. which is sad. But he, you know, good long life. Yeah. He was around for a long time. Yeah, because he was still active in the 90s, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, he was playing against Gene Tierney, who played, you know, uh, his girlfriend, also in Laura and Ghost of Mrs. Mirror. We know about her. Yes. We've, hey, we've talked you, about her If you before. need trivia about her, uh, she you can hear plenty about her in the Leave Her to Heaven episode. Yes. And, of course, Herbert Lom. <laughs> Christo. Huh. Oh, that's the guy. Christo. Yeah, Herbert Lom is great. Oh, God, right? I'm, I just I just kept sitting there like, this guy's really good. Yeah. Why do, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? Spartacus. 
oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, was just dropping all the knowledge on me yep. and it's just oh yeah Boom. seen these things it's cool he also played Van Helsing opposite Christopher Lee in the 1970 did he really 1970 film Count Dracula I did not know that yes huh well Christopher Lee played Dracula a bazillion times well so yes everybody's played Van Helsing against him but anyway <laughs> okay Herbert Lom I'm gonna I'm going to attempt this I don't know if I can do this his real name he's Czech okay okay um Herbert Charles Angelo Kuchusevich the Schluderpakaru. That is a mouthful. Herbert Lum. Herbert Lum. <laughs> that was, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for keeping the name you were born with because it's your heritage and everything, but for how craptacular Hollywood is, that was the yeah. right choice to make. Schluderpakaru. <laughs> yes. Uh, he was around until 2012, actually. Really? Yeah, so he only died fairly recently. That's right, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a sad day. Yeah, and uh, we also got to see Googie Withers in this movie. She played the the wife of, uh, uh, she played Mrs. Noceris. Mm-hmm. And I love her. She was her. a schemer. Oh, she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a great actress. I love that her face has all this character and she just... Yeah. She uses it and... She can say so much without saying a word. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoyed that about her yeah. in, in this film. It's just, she was quiet for a lot of it, but just, like, making faces that you just went, okay, mm-hmm. I know what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. It was good. She was very, very God. good. And I love that character, too. Oh, just... God. Helen was, oof. <laughs> Ambitious and, and knew how to get what she wanted. Mm-hmm. She just backed the wrong horse. Right. Yeah, she was uh she was a great character actress in this era. Uh she was in Hitchcock's The Lady Vanishes. She was also in Dead of Night, which is this great little horror anthology movie. Hard to find right now, but it's pretty great if you can look that one up. And she was uh, uh playing against Francis Sullivan, playing Philip Nosaurus, who was Mr. Jaggers in Great Expectations, the mm. David Lean one, and uh he was also in Oliver Twist. Oh. Yeah. He did a whole bunch of films in that era, and I and it's killing me because I can't remember what like what his I know him is from. For you. Yeah. What it's it it's pulling a thread into my brain that's not quite coming together. But we'll we'll he, leave that. For he now. was just immensely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like I like watching him. Just I listening really to do. him talk. Yes, was fun. Like he just has a delivery that's really very top notch. Yeah, there's just this ease to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's very smooth. Yeah. Let's see who else we've got. Uh, Stanislaus Zabisco, mm. who played the the big wrestler, wrestler yes. father. Yes, he was. Uh, he was in this in like one other movie. He was a professional wrestler in the United States, like nineteen oh nine to the mid nineteen twenties was mm-hmm. his reign. And uh, he, I mean, he just can't. Yeah, kind not of surprised tell. that he was. I, I was looking at him going, he's actually a wrestler. Yeah. Like, there's no, th- there's no other reason. Yeah, he had that uh, Tor Johnson sort of. Yeah. <laughs> but he had very good delivery. I yeah. Mean, like, wrestlers are theatrical. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a difference between that and, and film acting. And he was, he was very good. Mm-hmm. Unlike Tor. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> oh, Tor, we love oh. you. <laughs> and of course, Mike Mazurki. Yes. Who we saw before in Nightmare Alley mm-hmm. as the sweet strong man. <laughs> yes. Oh, so much fun. I love this movie so much. How, how, about, uh, yeah. how about that uh, 
that long wrestling scene. Yes. Like, I, kept, I kept wondering, I'm like, okay, when is it? Like, I don't want to say like I was sitting there going, when is this going to end? Because it's not like that. It was like, no. th- I was... I was so tense watching that. Like, I had to, like, force myself to relax. My shoulders were up to my earlobes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, my stomach was, like, super knotted. And I was just like, oh, my God. This is really intense. Like, holy crap. And, oh, right. Okay. No. Relax. It's fine. <laughs> this is a film. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, but it it just, it went on for a very long time, but not in a bad way. Yeah. It just... I don't know if we want to believable like that. That is a wrestling match. We witnessed a full wrestling match. Yeah. That would never fly in cinema today. It would have been cut down by like, it would have been 30 seconds and that would have been it. And it was also very down and dirty for. This was like several minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, what it really reminds me of is that never ending fight scene in They Live, John Carpenter's They Live, Mm. where uh, Roddy Roddy Piper and. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're, they're just punching each other in the alley for like yes. seven minutes. Yes. Oh. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, Rowdy Piper. <laughs> and they live. Oh, oh that's the best thing. Uh, but you know, speaking of wrestlers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, this oh, was, it was yeah. good. It was very tense. It was it was appropriate. Yeah. And just the cutaways to the, to the, the two managers watching this fight go down like, Ooh, do we we can't step in there's literally nothing we can do they are they are committed mm-hmm. the the comment the only thing to do would be to put them down like wild bulls like, yeah like that that's your only choice yeah and I, and i love the things that are going on in the sidelines in that scene too because you've got the drama of the protege breaks his wrist because yes. he gets in the middle of the fray and you know they're of course supposed to your match and you know, all the things that are happening just because this fight is going on mm-hmm. and how it's affecting all the other, all the other people in the scene. Yeah. And then of course, you know, <laughs> Herbert Lom walks in and, and things go to hell. Yep. What a that movie. That scene was so good. When the, um, when the wrestler father passes away, that's. Because I think his livers and his liver and kidneys were like destroyed. Yeah. From all the punching. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like, I can feel them bursting from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just, his commentary, like, close the window, it's cold. I'm like, oh no. Oh no, it's bad. It's no. really bad. It's all over now. It's all over for so many people. For everybody. Like, there's nothing good left in this film. <laughs> it's all sad now. <laughs> It's all coming apart. Not that it was ever fully together no, in the first no, place. No, but it, it, that's it. That's it's done. The glue has has now completely worn away. There's nothing left holding the pieces together. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of like that the wrestler who ultimately killed him, um, the strangler. Yeah, that he 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 seemed to me like he he was remorseful because it was never his intention to kill somebody. Right. He wanted to best a foe. Yeah, and he seemed very resigned to his fate. He knew one way or the other he was going down. Mm-hmm. So he does it in the way that the only way that he, he feels probably redeems him in some way. And that's to take down the man who provoked him. Right. Which I thought was very appropriate. And he gets led away by the police. He doesn't, he doesn't fight. He's just like, yep, yeah. here we go. That's it. Yep. I've, I've killed this man for helping me kill another man. Cause that's not, he's, he comes to the, uh, the club owner and is like, you tell them I didn't kill him. Fabian killed him. Yeah. Like, that's it. He's like, this was not my intention. I did not want to kill somebody. 
he was he was a tool like even though he wasn't meant he wasn't meant to kill anybody but he was he was pushed and provoked to the point where he couldn't stop himself he didn't know what he was doing anymore mm-hmm. like that was heavy i like how the, there's like an army of characters in this movie and everybody has an arc of some sort yes and mm-hmm. and it's and it feels fully realized even though you only see these characters very briefly yeah. when you think about it. I was kind of thinking about that in comparison um, and contrasting to um, Public Enemy, mm-hmm. which was also a f- fantastic film. But mm-hmm. so many of those characters were just like there to push another element to the plot. Right. They weren't fully realized. They didn't have their own stories. Mm-hmm. Where everybody else in this film had something going. Mm-hmm. There were no loose threads left. Right. Like, you knew start to finish where they went, how they got there. Mm-hmm. It was good. The script is fantastic. And uh, it was based on a novel by Gerald Kirsch, who is an author that you don't hear about much today. Mm-hmm. But he was a fairly popular British, uh, and then he moved to America, British-American writer of mystery and science fiction stories. And uh, actually, one of his characters is referenced in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the comic. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Harlan Ellison is a big fan of his work. So, you know, yeah, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> But uh, the novel was adapted into a screenplay by Joe Isinger, Joseph Isinger, who was also the guy who wrote Gilda. Okay. I was like, Ah, I knew I knew the name. Yeah. Yeah. He also wrote for the TV series Danger Man, which is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. (laughs) But no, it's good stuff. Okay. So so let's talk about the (laughs) Nosorosuses. Okay, we're there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Philip and Helen. Helen, yes. Phil and that's wow. That that relationship is fascinating. It's so dysfunctional. They're they're kind of a power couple on the front, you know, running this club, but. She's sick of running the club and getting nothing him for and it. getting nothing for it. So she's gonna fuck off and and start uh, her, own do club. her own. And when she walks out the door, the oh, the drama that happens is amazing so because good. Philip knows that he already has thrown Harry under the bus, and she thinks she's going into business with Harry, and she doesn't know what's going down. Yeah. And she starts to walk out the door and he's trying to convince her. He's like, honestly. Maybe don't do this. You don't. No, seriously. There is no future for Harry. There isn't. And I can't say what it is, but no, really, I do know you don't want to do that. And and then the, the very sad, you'll be back. And I'll take you back, damn it. Yep. <laughs> you know, just, oh, that oh. that was where I was like, oh my God. Oh. I mean, he, he genuinely loves her. Mm-hmm. I, and I can see, obviously, why she's fed up. Because I would be pretty pissed off if I worked that hard and mm-hmm. my husband refused to give me any money. Right. Like, I'd be pissed. And it's clear she married him because of his status and for a slice of that club. Right. And all she was getting was the status and nothing nothing else for it. Right. Right. There's there was no love on her part, despite the fact that he was crazy for her, mm-hmm. and and it's implied that she once perhaps had a thing with Harry. Yeah, 
which was like, oh, that's an interesting element I hadn't expected just because mm-hmm. they don't they don't have the meaningful glances across the room that you usually see in yeah. noir when there's th- that element exists between a man and a woman. But instead, it's just a throwaway line of, of you, you had your chance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I'm with this other girl now and you're with your husband. What do you want? And, and well, she's, I, I, I like that it's implied that they don't necessarily have chemistry for each other except for the ambition. Yes. And and you can tell that they're the shared ambition is probably uh-huh. what drew them together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 was probably a very strong attractor for the both of them. Mm-hmm. But ultimately not one that they that they both seem pretty aware cannot sustain them in a oh. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's too scheming for him. He doesn't like it. Probably because she could match him mm-hmm. for anything he would come up with. She would have a reason why it would not work. Yeah. And that's why they could never be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but the fact that he, he screws her on that club license, mm-hmm. where if he hadn't, she'd have been fine. Yeah. She'd have had her business. She'd have been, she'd have her club and, and be doing perfect for herself without yeah. a partner. But her mistake was trusting Yes. Harry. Trusting that when Harry said, I'll get you a license, that he actually got her a legitimate license. Mm-hmm. Said he got a, got her a forgery, which, you know, works fine until you check city records. <laughs> Oops. Which is why Harry had no friends. Yep. Yep. Harry, yeah. this is why you fail. Yeah. And sure enough, she goes back to Philip. And he oh. has killed himself. And he has killed himself. But the, but the scene leading up to her discovering that, it's that she comes through the door and, and you can tell, it's like, I gotta sell it. I gotta sell it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm back. I I'm sorry. I was wrong. And we can go on that vacation and yeah. And we'll you can tell it was over. just you can tell it was just killing her inside. Yes. She has to say oh. all these platitudes and just yeah. I don't feel any of this, but I have literally nowhere else to go. Damn it! Why won't you say something? Oh shit! And he's dead. And it's <laughs> that flicker of hope in her eyes that it's all been left to her. Yeah. Except the old crone is sitting there. <laughs> Cackling and drinking. <laughs> because she somehow got it left all to her. Mm-hmm. Which I can see as being the ultimate fuck you to mm-hmm. the wife. Yeah. Because at first I was like, that was random. I'm like, no, never mind, it wasn't. And that was like a David Lynch stroke. You oh, know, that was like, yes. Yes. she's just sitting there. Like, we had no idea she was in the yeah. room. And all of a sudden she just starts cackling. It's like, holy shit, where did you come from? And you'd think you'd notice that. You would think. <laughs> you would think. Uh, I've been oh, watching goodness. Twin Peaks, so it's like, <laughs> if she had hopped down and started talking backwards, I would not have been surprised. No. Oh my goodness, what a film. <laughs> And that, that, yeah. see, that was the part that really made me very happy was the fact that we got to see her, like, starting her club. That could have just been left. Any mm-hmm. other film would have just been like, okay, she's gone. Bye. Mm-hmm. But instead we get to see her. She's ready to start her club. Yeah. She's ready for opening night. And then she finds out she's been screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, her license is fake. Now she has to slink back. They could have easily not done anything with her, not done the thing with the husband, and just left them as loose ends. Yeah. With the implication that she went off and started something. And maybe she did or did not get away with it. Mm-hmm. But no. But no. no. She, they they yeah. had a definitive ending, and that was so good. You, and you had to see how Harry also screwed those characters over. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. Mm. So good. It was that, artful. Yeah. The whole thing. Just beautiful. I really love it. 
And I love that ending. Oh, God. I, I love that being in an ending. audience for that ending. That was so good. Because oh, he's held up in this houseboat with this lady that is, she's like, I can't help you. He's like, well, just just let me sit here. Don't help me. Yeah. Just let me sit. And she's like, okay, I'll let you sit because you're a dead man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to help or hinder that. Mm-hmm. And you think that they finally come for him because we've seen them across the bridge. We know they, they know he's out there. Yeah. And coming down the gangplank, you hear the footsteps, they're heavy, and it pans up, and it's not the guys. It's Mary. Yeah. It's Gene Tierney standing there. And there was a gasp behind me in the crowd, and it was <laughs> it was wonderful. That moment was perfect. <laughs> like, yes. Like, ding! <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's what made it worth seeing in the theater, was for somebody else to be like, oh! <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time I saw this was also with the crowd. I mean, I was in a an apartment with like 20 people watching this movie and uh, everybody was super pleased with that too. But it's it's just a great experience being just kind of locked in with that movie in mm-hmm. the theater mm-hmm. and a bunch of people and hearing how it goes over when he goes, I got the idea. I know. Oh, I know how so to good. do this. Again, from behind me. Oh, come on. <laughs> and I was like, but wait. <laughs> Just wait for it. It really is brilliant. Oh, it doesn't God. work, but it is brilliant. Oh, I was ready. I was so angry at that moment. I'm like, really, dude? Yeah. Like, this is where you're going with this? And then, oh, no, that's where you went with that. Yeah. I have this idea. There's a price on my head. You're going to go up the gangplank and you're going to say he's here. Yeah. And you're going to get the money. It can't lose. We mm-hmm. can't lose. Just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's willing to sacrifice himself in order so to she just. she gets the money to repay her. her for everything. Yeah. It's like one way or the other, I'm dead. Somebody's going to get the money. It may as well be you. Yeah. Just so gut punching. Like mm-hmm. right in the feelings. Yeah. Yeah, like ah, oh, I didn't want to root for you in the end. You fantastic. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, when I announced the previous episode, you know the the show notes show what we're watching next, mm-hmm. and when it was announced that it was Night in the City, one of my uh, film critic friends, David Canfield, popped up in my Facebook feed, and he's like, "That's my favorite movie. It's amazing. It's amazing. I can <laughs> see why." Yeah. Like, Good taste, sir. Yeah. And uh, what he said, which which I found really interesting, it's like he likes to use that movie as a barometer for people's empathy. Ooh. Because Harry Fabian is such an unlikable character. But if you can empathize with him at, you know, at least see the desperation and mm-hmm. figure out where he's coming from and be with him for that ending moment. Yeah. Uh, you you pass the empathy test apparently. But. Apparently, <laughs> according yes, but wow. yeah, no, it's really true. It, it was interesting watching uh, the movie through that filter since I just had that interaction, and it's time to refill our glasses. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> so good. So, do we have any other thoughts about this wonderful, wonderful film? Oh goodness, I. Th- I think I spoke on everything I was, it's like mentally filing away. Like, mm-hmm. cause I, normally I like punch notes in as I'm watching the movie. Couldn't do that in the theater. Yeah. But I think I hit on every topic I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think I hit everything too. Um, there, there was, so there were a couple little people in the movie and, and yeah. it's like that, it was like, oh, David Lynch again. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
as I said, I've been watching Twin Peaks. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's a it's a wonderful movie. If you haven't had a chance to see it, dear Lord, even though we spoiled the shit out of it. Just seriously, you, it. Yeah, yeah, we've spoiled it. it, but it doesn't matter because you have to see it. The Criterion Collection has a fantastic DVD of the Oh, film. good. I was going to ask about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you can go out and find it. So, uh, dear listeners, thank you for joining us. And hopefully uh, you enjoyed night in the city as much as we did uh please join us next time for when we see gun crazy Ooh. yeah bye bye <laughs> <laughs> that was super awkward all right oh, well. <laughs> we hope you enjoy our film fixation we'll see you next time on a noir education Thank you for joining us for A Real Education Noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. But if you ain't got socks, you can't pull them up. Now, can you? Oh, now, Guggen, you're a man of imagination. Will in the world. I'm just helpless.